Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Let's dive in. Grab your Bibles, please. Turn with me to um, two different places this morning. I think Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in several different places. Luke 9 and Acts 8 is where we'll start. Luke 9 and Acts 8. If you are a note taker, if you're like Valerie is, a trapper keeper girl, and you need to write stuff down, then, then you can follow along. The scriptures will be on the screen. You can also uh, go to the Version Bible app. There's an event for today's service, an event for every service, and you'll find all the notes and the scriptures and everything you need right there uh, so that you don't have to. So if you miss something, you don't have to panic or wave me down. All right? Everything will be all right. Well, let's pray, y'all. Father, thank you for a chance to be in this house today. I thank you for everything that you've accomplished already, for the word that's gone forth even during worship, for for the lives that are being changed and have been changed. God, I pray that you continue to change our lives today through your word. Help us, Lord, not just to hear it and understand it, but Lord, more than anything, we need to do it. And we thank you that you give us the power to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, sir. All right. Well, listen, I don't think it takes long uh, while you're walking with the Lord before you realize that following Jesus is not going to be a straight line from here to heaven. Y'all figured that out? Please talk to me today. Don't leave me lonely. All right. Is that a 70s love song or something? Don't leave me. It should be. Um, It's not a straight line from here to heaven. Following him is going to require some twists and turns that you might not have anticipated, that you might not see coming. As a matter of fact, sometimes we come face to face with circumstances or events or people from our past that we thought we'd never have to deal with again, right? Yes, we're going there today, so y'all just buckle up, all right? God will often circle us back to those things in order to accomplish something for our good, because he works all the things for our good, right? For his glory and, and or for the advancement of his kingdom. So today's message is real simple. It's just called circles. Circles. What do you do if you find yourself circling back to something you thought was behind you? What, and what would be the point anyway? So I want to look at, at three different people in the word that circled back to something. The Lord led them to circle back to something and see if we can find out why it is God may have led them to do that so that we can understand the circles in our lives. Okay, so here's the first one. Luke chapter 8, or nine, Luke 9. Uh, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we 
call down fire from heaven to burn them up? (laughs) Jesus, surprisingly, turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. And I know some of y'all like, that's my theme scripture right there. Calm down, people. We'll talk about that. All right. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. uh, After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, the city of Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Did you see that circle? John wanted to barbecue an entire Samaritan village just a couple of years before, and now he's preaching the gospel to them in the same villages. You see the circle? It's a full circle ministry moment. I I think it's highly likely that as they visited all of these little villages in the province of Samaria, that they went to that very same village that had once rejected the person of Jesus, but who was now welcoming the gospel of Jesus. And John was right in the center of it. So what's the point? Why did Jesus circle him back to, into the path of people who had mistreated him? And why would Jesus circle us back across the paths of people who have mistreated us? Because it speaks to the power of mercy. Jesus will send you on a mission of mercy to those who mistreated you. A mission of mercy to those who mistreated you. Now let me give you a little background. The history between the Jews and the Samaritans, the people of Samaria, is really jaded. Lots and lots of bad blood. They, as a matter of fact, for, they, there were hundreds of reasons over hundreds of years that they hated each other. Uh, so for the people of a Samaritan village to refuse to accommodate a Jewish teacher probably shouldn't have been all that surprising or, or all that unusual. But there was also in the culture, really kind of around the world at that time, this expectation of hospitality, especially to travelers. So when somebody showed up and they needed some, a place to stay or they needed accommodations, then culturally you were supposed to provide that for them. So uh, even, even with all the history, they, they should have provided hospitality. They didn't. And James and John were shocked and offended when this village didn't allow them to come in and do what they needed to do. But, but notice, they weren't just upset. They weren't just a little disappointed. They were livid. They, they didn't just, it didn't just inconvenience them. It triggered them to the point that they wanted the whole village to die. Right? What was so offensive that it caused them to react this way? Well, I think most of the historical evidence points to the conclusion that it wasn't personal, it was prejudicial. They, were, they weren't rejected because of who James and John were as individuals. They were dismissed out of hand because of who they represented. The group of people that they were associated with. See, the Jews and the Samaritans differed greatly on issues of religion. They also differed along racial lines. So James and John probably weren't uh, rejected because, uh, because of anything they had done personally. They were rejected because of their race and their religion. To be rejected because of something that defines you at the most 
basic human level, something over which you have zero control creates a deep-seated animosity, especially when it happens over and over and over. It creates a deep-seated animosity that's hard to understand unless you've experienced it. Or to be rejected over something like your faith, something that you've chosen to give your life to because you believe it's right and just and true, and then to be rejected for it is also soul-crushing. They were, they were blinded. James and John were blinded by their rage. They were blinded by the injustice of it all. And they wanted to show their moral superiority in that moment. They wanted to show them that they were right and the Samaritans were wrong. They wanted to show them they were not going to be treated like this. But Jesus was having none of that. He rebuked them. Why? Why did he rebuke them? Because there was a higher calling on their lives now. Those souls, even the ones that were filled with hatred and prejudice, were souls that needed to be saved. And Jesus had a plan. You know what? Jesus always got a plan, doesn't he? He had a plan for John's life, and he had a plan for the people of the Samaritan village. Just a few months later, less than a couple of years later, after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and ascended back to the Father, after John had been baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Jesus circles John back to the Samaritan villages. But this time, he had a new perspective. He had a new perspective. Let me ask you this today. What if Jesus circles you back to the person who hurt you the most? The one who rejected you simply because of your race or your religion or your last name. The one who bullied you because you were fat or because you wore glasses or because you didn't have name brand clothes or any of the million other reasons why people pick on other people. Can you look at those people through the eyes of mercy? Can you look at them through the lens of God's love? What made the difference in John? How was John able to go from where he was to where he wound up in preaching the gospel to him? Why was he so willing to show the mercy of Jesus towards these people? How could he turn those who had mistreated him into his mission? Well, I think it was a little bit of perspective and a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. John was able to fulfill his mission of mercy because he had taken the time to heal and because the power of the Holy Spirit uh, helped him prioritize the kingdom above everything else in his life. There is incredible power in ministering to people who hurt you. But it needs to be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. To try to do it too soon would be damaging to you and to the kingdom. And God's not go, got no interest in any of that. Keep your appropriate boundaries until God says you're ready. Until God circles you back around. But when he does, trust him that he's planning to work through you. Being mistreated is not an easy thing and it happens to all of us at some point or the other. Especially when people mistreat you intentionally. Right? I mean, it's one thing when people accidentally hurt your feelings, but when they know what they're doing and they do it anyway and they do it enthusiastically, that's a whole different level of pain. 
But here's what Jesus said about it. And listen, don't, don't try telling Jesus about me being mistreated. All right? So this is what he said in, in Luke chapter 6. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Because that is not possible any other way. That does not just naturally flow out your life. Right? Because what flows out your life naturally is you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you worse. Right? Any humans in here? Y'all acting nice because it's church. You know that's what you want to do. You hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. That's what comes out of, our, of us, our natural state. But, but notice what Jesus said. He didn't just say, don't kill the people who mistreated you. He didn't just say, don't call fire down from heaven and roast them all. And that's hard enough some days. Some days when you get to the end of the and you and you're like, Lord, it's the end of the day. I didn't call fire down on nobody. That's a win, right? So just take the win and go to sleep, and maybe tomorrow will be better. But so that, that's hard enough. But Jesus didn't just say, "Don't kill them all." He said, "Love them." He said, Pray. "It doesn't mean that your feeling for them should be warm and fuzzy. It means you take intentional action to express love to those people." He said, "Pray for them, not about them." That's a different thing. Pray for them. Do good for them and bless them you say listen you you mean jesus expects us to love people who rejected me without even knowing me like people who made assumptions about me without ever even giving me a chance people who denied me something i needed just because they could people who knew they were hurting me and did it anyway i'm saying Jesus might just be circling you around specifically to minister to those people. They might be your new mission. Why? Because your willingness to minister to them in their time of need speaks volumes to them about the Jesus inside of you. Years ago, when we were in the, uh, the other building, we were up in the, in the old sanctuary, one of our former pastors uh, invited an evangelist to come and share his testimony. And before he had gotten saved, this evangelist had been the imperial wizard of the KKK in whatever state he had come from. You know who led him to Christ? A black preacher. Black preacher. Everybody would have understood if this preacher hadn't wanted anything to do with Johnny Lee. Like anybody but Johnny Lee. Can you imagine the conversation he had with the Lord about talking to Johnny Lee? But as a black man, when he came face to face with a man who cheered at our nation's shameful history of slavery. A man who advocated for laws that would have made him and his people and his family a second class citizen in this nation. He pushed all of that aside. And he allowed the love and the light of the gospel of Jesus to flow through him and into that man. 
And he watched that man change in that moment right before his eyes from an enemy to a brother. And just like the book of Ephesians says, there was no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, or in this case, no longer black or white. There was only the red blood of Jesus to wash away the sins of everybody in the whole world, even a bigot like Johnny Lee. And I don't know if it's occurred to you while I was telling that story, but why in the world would a KKK member listen to a black preacher anyway? Of all people. Well, let me say it this way. Because love is loud. Listen, the people who've mistreated you, they know exactly what they did. They know what they did, at least most of the time. When Jesus circles you back around, they're going to expect you to be filled with anger or pain or rage or revenge or even fear that you're going to get hurt again. And when all they can find is love, it'll be deafening to their spiritual ears. And it will get their attention. So listen, I'm not telling you to go put yourself in harm's way and nothing like that. I'm simply telling you that if the trajectory of your your life as a follower of Jesus circles you back to those people, it might just be that he's sending you on a mission of mercy to the people who mistreated you. And there is nobody better suited for it in that moment than you. Here's the second reason why there may be some circles on our journey. Matthew 26, Matthew 26, and then John 21, verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and Jesus has been arrested. He's on trial. Peter's sitting in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, hey, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean, but Peter denied it in front of everybody. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and he said, you've got to be one of them, I can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, he said, a curse on me if I'm lying, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Now let me show you John 21. John 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, now it's getting weird, right? A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question, a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
Then he said, listen, I'm telling you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Peter was crucified upside down. And that's what Jesus was telling him. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Listen, there are a lot of painful moments to endure on this earth. Sometimes it's the pain that somebody else caused you. And sometimes it's our own flaws and failures and foolishness that cause the pain. I think the tendency that many of us have is to run as far and as fast from those things as possible. Like you want it in the rearview mirror. That once that chapter closes, we never want to think about it or talk about it again. But the longer I live and the longer I walk with Jesus and the longer I try to process my own pain, the more I realize that that's a mistake. Ignoring something does not make it go away. The pain was real. The consequences are real. So if you find yourself being led to circle back to a time that caused you pain, then understand that Jesus may be sending you there to make peace with the painful pieces. You've got to make peace with the painful pieces. Denying the person you personally proclaimed as the Son of God is about as low a moment as anybody can imagine. But doing it three times in a row after being told that you were going to do it, that's just devastating. So when Matthew said, Peter went away weeping bitterly, that was an understatement. Have you ever felt the shame and the devastation of failing somebody? Let's, let me break it down Harrelson County style. You ever screwed up really bad? We all understand each other, right? To cause pain for somebody else is not something any of us would want to relive. We want to forget about it and never bring it up again. And sometimes people will even move to a different place. They will they'll get a different job. They'll get different acquaintances. They run 100 miles an hour to get away from the stuff in their past. But sometimes we don't realize we're, we're running, but we're on a track. And we're just circling right back around to what caused us the pain in the first place. And that's exactly what was happening with Peter. Jesus showed up at the lake uh, where they were fishing. They had already, Jesus and Peter had already seen each other several times since the resurrection. I'm sure Peter was kind of hoping they could just not talk about it. Like Peter was okay with the elephant in the room. He didn't want to talk about it. Jesus knew better. He knew that the path to healing sometimes circles you right back around to the uncomfortable moments. He knew that if Peter was going to be effective in ministry or even just be able to walk in peace as a human being, then he was going to have to face the pain of his denial. So Jesus brings up the awkward truth right there after breakfast. And three times Jesus asked Peter, one for each of his denials. He asked Peter if he loved him. And Jesus gave Peter a chance to make it right. And three times, Peter confessed his love for Jesus. At the very end, he even renews Peter's call to ministry as an apostle. He looked at him and he said, follow me. Again, he said, follow me. 
And for the rest of his life, Peter was, uh, was, a, was a rock for the New Testament church and helped to start, this is helped to start the early church, and he was, he was fantastic. He, God, Jesus put him right on that path back to reconciliation, back to wholeness, back to, back to being who he was destined to be in the first place. Listen, you, you have to make peace with the painful pieces if you're ever going to be whole. You can do your best to build walls and keep everybody away, but that doesn't keep the pain out. It locks the pain in. You have to talk about it. You have to let it out. You have to bring it to the light. The only way for Jesus to redeem it is if you give him access to it. At the beginning of 2022, the beginning of last year, I preached a really short message in which God inspired me to ask this question. He had asked it to me, and I asked it to you the next day. Will you trust me with the messy stuff? Will you trust me with the messy stuff? See, because we're okay offering him the pretty stuff. We're okay offering him the perfect stuff, the, the touched up and posed pictures that we present to everybody else. But God wants the messy stuff too. He wants the imperfect stuff. He wants the ugly stuff. Because that's part of your story too. The, the, that's, that's part of the journey. And if you can't let him work in the messy stuff, then you're keeping part of yourself from him. So when I said that, I remember in that moment, Valerie and I made eye contact. And, um, and I knew what she was thinking, which she confirmed for me after that service. She knew that she was going to have to share her testimony uh, about living with bipolar disorder. And she shared that with you all in May of last year. And if you didn't hear it, it's out there on the uh, YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Two things were remarkable to me about that day. Two things that stand out in my mind about it, which a lot of it is a bit of a blur. Um, one was the grace and the support and the encouragement and the respect that you gave her as a result of, of the way she shared her story that day. And it was truly remarkable. And I am forever grateful because I really didn't want to fight none of y'all but I was ready the second thing was the amount of peace that she got from it and the amount of peace that she got from it was was, was worth everything uh, because she she had been dealing with the symptoms undiagnosed for 25 years and then when she did have a diagnosis she felt so much shame and judgment and condemnation that she was terrified for those five years that somebody would find out. But she realized that she had to make peace with that piece of her life. Uh, whether she was going to be accepted or rejected, um, she knew that she had to get okay hearing herself say it out loud, owning that piece of her journey. So if you, if you have some part of your journey that you've been running from, whether it happened to you or happened because of you, then let me, let me tell you this clearly today. You'll never find peace until you make peace with the broken, painful pieces of your life. When Jesus circles you back to it, face it. Face it. Now here's the last reason. The last reason Jesus will circle you back around to stuff found in Mark chapter 5. Mark 5. Jesus climbed out of the boat... A man possessed by an evil spirit came from a cemetery to meet him. 
And this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, now been delivered through his experience with the Lord, uh, begged to go with him. Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord's done for you and how merciful he's been to you. So the man started off uh, to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for them, for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. It struck me this week, not one word is said in Scripture about the circumstance that led this young man to be so full of demons. We don't know how that happened in his life. Two things are certain about this, though. One, sin was at the root of it. And two, everybody where he's from knew the story. Everybody. For years, they had tried to restrain him in every way that they could so that he wouldn't hurt himself or hurt other people. But the chains of sin on the inside of him were stronger than the physical chains on the outside of him. But then he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he found hope where there had only been hopelessness. He found light where there had only been darkness. He found freedom where there had only been bondage. There was, there was a little ruckus with a couple thousand pigs. Um, so when the people of the town, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read that, read that passage, it's pretty entertaining. So when the people of the town showed up <clears throat> and they found him <clears throat> sitting peacefully at the feet of Jesus. <clears throat> Don't mind me, I'm just dying right here in front of everybody. <clears throat> they found him sitting peacefully at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and fully sane. They couldn't believe his eyes. They couldn't believe their eyes. Understandably, when Jesus started to leave, this man wanted to go with him. How could you not want to go and serve the one who had given you your life back? But Jesus told him no. He sent him right back to where he came from. Jesus wanted him to circle back to all those people who knew his story. All those people that he had scared and intimidated for all those years. All those people who had watched his descent into darkness. Why? Why did Jesus circle him back? He circled him back because your mess is your message. Your mess is your message. Nobody can tell your story like you do. Y'all still with me today? Nobody can tell your story like you do. Nobody knows where you've been like you do. Nobody knows what Jesus did for you like you do. All that mess you lived through, that's the message. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't know. I can't memorize scripture. You know what Jesus did for you. Go tell that. You lived through it because of Jesus. You know good and well you should have died like a dozen times. But Jesus had a plan for you. He didn't just save you. He saved your life. 
And it's very possible that at some point, when you're strong enough not to fall back into your own old patterns and your old sins, that Jesus will circle you back around to the people who knew you back then. He'll send you to the people who knew about your mess so they can hear your message. Because for those people, if Jesus can save you, he can save anybody. Right? Y'all know people like that? Were you people like that? Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you were when Jesus found you. Stop running from it and embrace it. It's part of the message that he's sending you with. Jesus told this guy, go home and tell everybody, tell your family, tell everybody everything the Lord did for you. And that's exactly what he did. He, did all, he went to all the towns in the area telling people what Jesus did. And the Bible said they were all completely amazed. Listen, only you know where you were when Jesus found you. People may know about your mess. They don't know what it was like to live through it. Here's, what's going, here, here's what going through some mess will do for you. It gives you a message that nobody can take away from you. You may doubt something you've been told. You may doubt something you've read about. But you're never going to doubt what you lived through. And when you tell your story... People might not decide to follow Jesus like you did, but they can't say there's not a difference because they're seeing it with their own eyes. It's the best message you can preach because nobody can deny it's not true. Listen, it might be the change that you experience when you get saved, or it might be the painful pieces of your past, but we've all got mess. And if we'll stop hiding it, God will use it to help somebody. Why is that? Because pain is universal. If there's one language that everybody in the world speaks, it's the language of pain. Everybody understands that. So hiding the parts of your life that hurt you the most, that's why we don't understand each other. That's why we don't connect with each other. Because we never show people the whole story. We never let them see the whole picture. That pain is part of your picture pastor Greg Craig Rochelle says it this way he says we impress each other with our strengths but we connect with each other through our weaknesses if they knew what you had been through they'd understand you and they'd accept you and they'd love you I know the enemy tells you that it's going to cause people to reject you and push you away and judge you and all that stuff I'm just telling you I've never seen that happen in reality Anytime somebody has disclosed some personal experience of pain, I've only seen people draw closer to them and have more respect for them. And if people reject you because of the pain in your past, you didn't need those people in your life anyway. Right? The mess is your message. The mess is your message. When you're a follower of Jesus, the message of, of, uh, is one of hope and healing. It's a message of deliverance and salvation, a message of broken chains and mended relationships. That's the message you get to share with people, and nobody can share it like you do. I'm not saying to go back to those difficult moments of your past and just dwell on it, 
but you do need to get back to that place so you can talk about it so God can redeem it and give it a purpose. Y'all stand with me. Following Jesus is never easy and it's not always predictable. He will circle us around to things and places and people that we thought were in our rearview mirrors. But rest assured, when He does that, He always works things together for our good and He always works it together for His glory. Don't fight against what He's trying to do. Cooperate with Him and watch your intimacy with the Father grow. Watch your effectiveness in ministry grow as well. Listen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've been through in your past. But you're here today for a reason. I didn't call you here. I didn't make you come. But the the Lord loves you enough that he brought you here today for a reason. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray uh, just a quick prayer over everybody. And then they're going to sing one more song. And if you want to come to this altar and pray, you can pray. You can pray about anything you want to pray about. But I would encourage you while they sing this song for you to spend a, just three or four minutes thinking about what this message might mean to you and how it might apply in your life. Is there pain in your past? Do you have a mess that God wants to turn into a message? Is, is there something that he wants to circle you back, some people he wants to circle you back to so that what he's done in you, he can do in them? I don't know. But you need to ask the Lord that. And then if you want to pray about anything else, if you've you got a decision to make, if you've got a sickness in your body, whatever's going on in your life, you can come and pray. And here's the most important thing. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you don't know what it means to follow Jesus with your whole heart, then today can be the day that you do that. The only way that we can be forgiven of our sins, the only way that we can be made right with God is through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And he offers that salvation to us when we confess that we're sinners, we were, when we repent of our sin, and we decide to surrender our lives to him. So if you are ready to make that decision to follow Jesus, you come to this altar too. And we'd be happy to, to, to talk to you about that and lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and I thank you that your spirit's in this place now I thank you that you're convicting people of sin that you're drawing people that you're encouraging people to take the next step in following you and in being obedient to whatever it is that you're calling them to Lord I pray that you would give us strength and faith as we go through the circles of our lives and Lord I pray that you would draw us to to yourself today name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.